from deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to a special edition of Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. Today, we shine the spotlight on Florida's longtime athletic director, Jeremy Foley. After a long and illustrious career leading one of the most successful athletic programs in the nation, Foley decided to leave on top, which very few in this business have the chance to do. In a conversation that took place before the recent hiring of Scott Strickland as his successor, I led Foley on a retrospective exploring his life, career at Florida, and future plans. I hope you enjoy my conversation with him as much as I did and learn at least one thing you didn't know about a true Gator legend. First question for you, which is I think what everybody wants to know these days. When did you first start contemplating retirement and and when did this dawn on you that that the time was right? Probably Adam last um, end of January, February. I just thought, uh, first of all, I thought that because football had such a great season because I um, have so much confidence in, you know, what Coach Mack is doing here. Um, just started thinking about it, and then I just, as you know, as the year or the spring progressed, you know, we just had such a, a great, great year in total. You know, as I watched, you know, what our softball teams did and our baseball teams did and our golf teams did and our track teams did and, you know, look what football did and see what women's basketball did and, you know, Mike White this close. And it just seemed like it was building to something really, really special. And I just think it's, you know, as I said during my press conference, when you want to you want to leave an organization in good shape. And I thought the timing was perfect. I think whoever comes in here, you know, has a chance to take what we have right now and, you know, take it to the next level. Uh, you know, a lot of times in this profession, you know, athletic directors leave and because there's some huge issue going on. You know, it's a bad deal. There's some sort of, you know, you know, scandal or some sort of NCA issue or some sort of other problem that instead of focusing on things that really make a difference, you know, trying to graduate young men and women and trying to be successful and represent the institution, they're fighting battles that have nothing to do with any of that stuff. Well, right now, knock on wood, that's not the case here. And so I just think it's important to, to – I felt it was important to leave, the, leave an organization that was in good shape, and I think this organization is in great shape. Did you feel for some time that you were looking for that opportunity? I mean, you say that the timing is right, everything was going the right direction. How long ago did you start to think – if everything is going the way I want it to go, then I'd feel comfortable stepping away. No, I don't think that it worked that way. I did, you know, obviously as you get older, you know, it's hard for me to believe that I'm 63. I mean, <laughs> I, um, you know, well, you'll get to that point one day. My, my dad's 63 he, and he says all the time, I don't know how I got here. Yeah, you know, exactly right. So you wake up and you say, wow, you know, and then so the time was going to come. I mean, I wasn't going to be in that chair forever. So when you get older. I think everybody goes through it. When you get older, they start, you know, analyzing their life and figuring out now what's, you know, what's the best timing for me. And as I said, as you look at the timing for me personally, as you look at the timing for the organization, uh, I just thought it was perfect. And, you know, okay, another year, another two years, three years, what, what does that get anybody? You know, mm-hmm. potentially it could be a... Um, 
it could be a different scenario than it is today for whatever reason. Uh, and I just, like I said, I want the, whomever comes into the chair to be dealing with things that really make a difference for the organization. I want them to come in here and, you know, put new ideas forward and new energy forward and new things that will take this program to the next level. And I didn't want whomever come in here to have to be dealing with a, a program that wasn't being successful mm-hmm. and a divided fan base or some sort of issue, whatever have you. Yeah, that's not the case. And obviously I'm not saying whoever comes in here is just going to roll the balls out. No, whoever comes in here has a lot of work to do here. <laughs> you know, we got some things we want to get done. There's still some things we have got to have to accomplish here. But, again, I just felt the timing was right for the entire organization. And at the end of the day, that's my job to, to, to evaluate that, what's best for the organization. It's been some time now since you made the announcement. What's the response been like and the outpouring of support that, that you've received? Yeah, overwhelming. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, internally, you know, I expected, you know, some – you know, some support and some coaches and staff member. But, you know, just between, you know, internally, externally, former athletes, you know, fans that maybe I interacted with 15 or 20 years ago by selling them a ticket or, you know, <laughs> just whatever have you. It's It's been off the charts. It's just um, something that I kind of did not expect. Um, did not make my announcement to get a bunch of outpouring of support or, or you know, kind messages or emails or text messages. But the number has been overwhelming and um, obviously rewarding. Um, end of the day, when it's all said and done for all of us, we, we hope to make a difference and you know, in an organization or people's lives or a student athlete's life. And, you know, uh, you know, obviously I did in some quarters because that's, that's, the, um, that's the response I've gotten. So it's been, it's been pretty overwhelming. I want to take you all the way back, even before your time at Florida, to just growing up around sports. Where did the love come from? Where did the desire come from to work in athletics? Well, you know, for whatever reason, when I grew up in New Hampshire, I just, um, you know, I was a huge New England sports fan. I was a huge Boston Red Sox fan, which is well documented. But the the Celtics back then, you know, just um, um, I was a huge New York Giant fan growing up because in New England, you know, the NFL wasn't what it was today, and the AFL mm-hmm. was just starting, and the Patriots weren't on even on TV. So the only games we ever got in my hometown in New Hampshire were the New York Giants. And so it probably started back then. And, you know, I read Sports Illustrated um, every single day. My mom gave me a subscription to it. Um, and just and I played sports. Not very well, but I did. <laughs> but um, So it all started back then. And um i did not have a desire i didn't even think about you know when you're that age you're not mm-hmm. thinking about what you're going to do for your career i really didn't think about working in sports until i graduated from college and i had no idea what i was going to do and i uh, thought i'd always work in professional sports I sent out a letter to 100 plus professional teams and i got a bunch of um rejection notices um which is you know kind of standard in this profession Mm -hmm. one person said if I was serious about it I need to get a master's degree in sports administration so that's what I did and Florida hired me as an intern and you know the rest is history but you know my fascination if that's the right word and my you know intense interest in sports started when I was younger in, in New Hampshire you're seen by many people as the ultimate Gator fan or the biggest Gator fan and I think a lot of people just assume that you went to Florida and that was always your path. But you didn't always start at Florida. No, no, no. Obviously, I started here as an intern, but I went to two other schools, Hobart College in upstate New York, Ohio University's grad school. But I've said often, you know, Adam, I got in this business because I am a sports fan. Mm-hmm. I like cheering. I like rooting. I like, you know, I like winning. And so um, that's part of the gig, especially at Florida. I like cheering for our teams. I like being there. You know, sometimes me being a fan, like any fan, you can overreact 
react. Earlier in my career, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily um, react well when I thought the officiating wasn't what it <laughs> needed to be. That's, that's what fans do, and I've had to dial that back, of course. But, yeah, I like being a fan. You know, people used to ask me about being a commissioner, and I've said, you know, obviously I got tremendous respect for those jobs, uh, the jobs those people do. They have a hard job. And I've been blessed to work for, you know, three wonderful commissioners, and Roy Kramer, Mike Slive, and now Greg Sankey. But... I could no more do that job than the man move because you got to be a you got to be a fan of 14 teams. That's not me. Um, I was a Gator fan. I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm passionate about that. You know, maybe a little less passionate about the Red Sox since they won the <laughs> World Series, but um, obviously very passionate about the Gator fans. I like watching our teams compete. I like watching our coaches. I like watching our student athletes. I like winning. I like being around the Gator Nation. So yeah, I'm a fan and always will be. You famously started working here in the ticket office as an intern and then worked your way up. What were all of the steps that you took while you were climbing the, the ranks of the organization? Uh, you know, I had a bunch of different jobs. I, you know, I was in the ticket office as an intern, and I got hired as a ticket manager, and then I became you know, the director of operations and facilities, and then I became an assistant athletic director and an associate athletic director. You know, at some point they put me in charge of the business office. Uh, I was a senior social athletic director. I was an interim athletic director. And then I was, you know, the athletic director. So um, I think all those different roles helped me in my job because I understood, you know, how the operation worked. I understand what my, you know, folks were going through on game day because I used mm -hmm. to go through it myself. I understand the pressures they were under. I think it helped me, um, you know, maybe be a more effective leader because, you know, I, I had touched so many different parts of the organization. You've talked about the issues in the 80s and some of the, the NCAA issues kind of affecting the way you led the organization. Can you just touch on that and how that really influenced your leadership here? Well, obviously back in the um, you know early to mid-80s, you know, we had some significant issues here. Some of those issues I just alluded to that a new athletic director doesn't, hopefully doesn't have to deal with here, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's all-consuming. Um, you're dealing with NCAA issues. We obviously had a football program that um, was dealing with some significant issues, 100-plus NCAA rules allegations. I mean, I was part of the process trying to, you know, provide information to the NCAA. And, I mean, in here on the weekends and meetings and headlines in the papers and reporters were all over this place. And, you know, no one was paying attention to the rest of our program because we weren't – because we didn't do it the right way. And then in 1984, we won our first ever SEC championship in football, and that's all anybody wanted to do here when I first got here, just win one, and we did. And then three months later, four months later, whatever it was, it was taken away by the SEC because we were on probation. You know, and candidly, you know, I get that decision. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of Gator fans at the time didn't, but, you know, we had ineligible players we were playing with. And so um, I can remember thinking then that we, the, it was such euphoria when we won it and the stadium was full of people celebrating that night, 50,000 people waiting on us. We got back from Kentucky, and then four months later it was taken away. And I remember, what was that all about? I mean, I have a ring somewhere I can't wear. So mm -hmm. it didn't make any sense to me. And so, you know, and then back in 1990, same thing happened. Coach Spurrier, you know, referred to it the other night. 1990 had the best team in the SEC his first year. And they couldn't be SEC champions because we'd had more NCAA problems. Not under Coach Spurrier's watch, obviously, mm -hmm. but before he got here. And so, again, by not following the rules, you had a team that couldn't win an SEC title. So we have always, you know, I've always felt we were a program with two strikes on us, and you, you can't have three strikes. So we talk a lot about integrity around here. We're not perfect. We have issues, but we're going to follow the rules. We're not going to win championships by doing it the wrong way. And when you hire coaches, that's, you know, there's a lot of different things you're looking for in a coach, but, you know, you want to make sure they're honest and have integrity and live their lives the right way and do things the right way. That's, that's as high on the checklist as anything else. 
um, because, um, again, there's no reason to go back there. Because, again, in Florida, calling it like it is, take advantage of the resources we have here, the reputation of this institution, the academic um, reputation of the institution, the recruiting base we have, the fan base we have, the resources we have. Why would you have to take any shortcuts, you know? You're not going to win every game. Mm -hmm. We want to win them all. I get that. But you're not going to. But, you know, Florida's had a lot of success by doing things the right way. And I would say, you know, that experience in the 80s impacted the entire program, just not internally. You had a fan base that wanted to be proud of his football program and wanted to go to New Orleans and go play in the Sugar Bowl. They couldn't go. (laughs) They couldn't go. You know, in 84 and 85, we might have had the best team in the country. Couldn't even be on TV, Mm -hmm. let alone go to a bowl game. So I'm sure a lot of our fans are going, this is no fun. You know, they want to be involved in that, too. Our fans mm-hmm. are the best in the country. In 1990, again, obviously the issues occurred before Coach Spurrier got here, not involved with his staff or at all. But bottom line is here we are SEC champions, couldn't go to the Sugar Bowl. And so I think the whole organization and the whole fan base understood, hey, let's just, let's just do things the right way, and we'll be fine. And most of you know, we are fine. So, um, yeah, there's no question those experiences in the 80s shaped, you know, I think how, we, how we've led this organization. What do you remember about your early days as athletic director and the challenges of transitioning into the, the new job? Well, you know, when I was uh, the senior associate athletic director, I mean, I was wanted to be the AD. You know, I worked for Bill Arnsparger. I mean, I knew Bill's, you know, he wasn't going to be here forever. You know, I think his deal was for five years, and I wanted to learn. And, I, and when the time came, you know, whether he was here five, six, seven, eight years, when the time came, I wanted to, you know, compete for the job. And I was convinced that, you know, I was ready for the job. And, you know, and I was fortunate and blessed to get the job. But, you know, once you move from one office into that office, it, it's a totally different deal because now officially the buck does stop with you. I know that that's a famous saying, you know, the buck stops here. Well, it really does, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a different role when you're advising people on making decisions as opposed to being the ultimate decision maker. Um, that part was new for me, all right? I never had to be in that role before. So it, that transition was hard, but it was also exciting because um, – now your ideas you can put on the table. You know, you obviously have a chance to put your stamp on a program. You have a chance to, to try to achieve some things that you want to achieve. You had a chance to compete. I like to compete. And I was in a role that allowed us to compete at the highest level. So, you know, obviously back then learning how to hire coaches, um, you know, I thought I had it all figured out because the first guy I ever hired is Billy Donovan. and um, Good start. It was a good start. <laughs> but, then you know, it's like hitting a home run your first at bat and then thinking you had it all figured out and then realized that the curveball was a little harder than you thought than sure. hit. You know, so I hired some coaches that didn't work out as I envisioned, most of all because I did it by myself. So once I started getting more people to help me, we got better at it. So it was an evolutionary process, Adam. But certainly, you know, being in the chair was different. You know, a lot of responsibility, and that was new for me. And so, um, you know, there was some learning on the job that related to that. You mentioned Billy, and most people believe that to be your most successful hire. What do you remember about the process of courting him and, and how you got Billy to come to Florida? <laughs> well, you know, bottom line is back then at that time, and I'd been in here at that time, you know, 16, 17, 18 years, we had a little pockets of success in basketball, but nothing we could sustain. We've been in the NCAA tournament, I think, five times in our total. Obviously, we've been a Final Four one time, but mm-hmm. here we are two years later, and our coach has left, and we've won 12 games. And so, I mean, I think the thought was, well, that's just typical Florida basketball, you know. And I can remember back then that the mindset among a lot of people, especially nationally, um, can never get it done in basketball. All they care about is there is football. So, you know, calling it like it is, we had typically chased people – to be our coaches or hired people been our coaches that had been somewhere else, right? And obviously we hired Long Kruger, did great things here, mm-hmm. you know, 
things weren't working here. He took another job, and, you know, now he was in the Final Four <laughs> last year. He was a great coach. Right. It just didn't work out here, mm-hmm. okay? But before that, you know, Norm Sloan, established coach at another program, and obviously Norm had some pockets of success, right? And before that, you know, I think – you know, I, I think it was John Lotz, I, I, whatever. But I wanted to do something different. I wanted to either hire a, I wanted to hire a young up and comer, either a young head coach, or a, a, an assistant coach. You know, do something different. Why not? Okay, mm-hmm. because bottom line is we've been playing basketball at that time for uh, how many years? 60, 70, 75 years, and nothing had changed. You know, we were not perceived as a school that could get it done in basketball, and to have a an athletic program as perceived as great nationally and having a national brand, you have to be good in men's basketball. So March Madness demands it. If you're not a factor in that tournament, then you're kind of just like another athletic program. And that's what we didn't want. So we made a conscious decision to do that. You know, we, you know, we, flew, up to, um, we flew up to Duke and visited with Tommy Amaker, who obviously has done a wonderful job in his career, and he blew us away. And, you know, he learned from one of the greats and, and then went on from there up to Huntington. And, you know, the minute you sat down with Billy, you know, Tommy was an assistant. Billy had been a head coach for two mm-hmm. years, and there was a difference in that. You know, I just talked to you about that. There's a difference sure. between being an assistant sure. athletic director and being the athletic director. So, once you sat down with Billy, first of all, it was evident that you were talking to a guy that had been through the experiences of a head coach, and then his enthusiasm, his passion, his game plan. You know, you know, you've been around Billy. You can, you know, mm-hmm. you know his his energy levels off the charts. And so, I walked out of there that day saying, "This is the guy." So I had to come back here and tell Dr. Lombardi, you know, this guy's 29 years old, <laughs> and um, we want to hire a guy that young. And, you know, one of the blessings of John Lombardi is, you know, he trusted, and he said, if you think he's the guy, go get it done. So, um, and obviously Billy came down here and changed the culture, you know. We did hit a home run, and um, at the end of the day, it was about him. And, but we also internally made the decision, okay, we're going to make a commitment to Billy and to basketball second to none. You know, a lot of people wanted to push this conversation forward to make sure that Florida could be a basketball school. I've always said I'll give Billy and his staff 99% of the credit, but 1% goes to a group of people who said, okay, basketball is going to be a priority here. We're going to treat basketball just like we treat football. We're going to to make sure everybody understands that this is really important. You ask Billy, you know, he'll tell you that. That commitment helped – get him where he wanted to go. And obviously he delivered in spades and he's created a basketball program that is relevant, a national championship program, a Final Four program, an NCAA tournament program. And, you know, I had a Hall of Fame coach here. So um, at the end of the day, you know, we have a number of coaches around here change the culture. Steve Spurrier mm-hmm. changed it in football. I've talked about that often since, you know, Coach Spurrier came back. But, you know, Tim Walton has in softball. Um, you know that. And, you know, Mary Wise in volleyball. You go, you go right down the list, right? But certainly Billy changed it in basketball, and that's what we wanted to get done. How difficult but also rewarding has it been to see coaches like Billy and like Ron Defane be so successful that ultimately they're called to the next level, which is it's great for them, but also it's tough for Florida because you're losing a great coach. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, mean, I think if you wave a wand, you have coaches like that forever. They mm-hmm. don't leave, you know, and um doesn't mean you're dissatisfied with Mike White or Jenny Rowland. Love them. You know, think they're future superstars. You know, I'm not even worried about that. But, you know, you hate to leave good people go. In Billy's case, you know, an unbelievable personal relationship, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. um, him and myself. So um, on a personal level, that was hard. But um, I have learned through my years that, you know, I thought Coach Spurrier would be here forever, you know, that um, it doesn't work that way. And people want different challenges, and they take it, and you wish them well. You don't sit here and say, my God, I can't believe – 
Rhonda left and Billy left. What you know, you're happy for them, right? And then at some point, obviously, you, you turn the page and you got to go find the next people to build on what they what they built. And so um, it's difficult anytime you know that's five national championships walking out the door, <laughs> and I think they walked out the door fairly closely to mm-hmm. each other. So um, part of the gig at Florida. So I'm a guy. The glass is always half full. So. I was blessed to have a chance to work for those guys, Billy, for 19 years, and I think Rhonda, you know, 12, and to watch what they built and what they did and who they were as people and, you know, the legacy they left here, you know, I was part of that. I was around that. So I was excited for that, sad on a personal level because I liked having them around, mm-hmm. but then on a professional level, time to turn the page and, you know, go find the next people. Getting back to Coach Spurrier, how important was it to you as one of your final acts as athletic director to bring Steve Spurrier officially back into the, the Gator fold? Well, it's just, it's, you know, it's fitting. But it's not so much fitting for me. I think it's fitting for the University of Florida, the guy that has represented so much of the excellence in this program. Obviously, the Heisman Trophy, you know, coming back here and totally changing the culture of a football program. You know, who's a Gator, even when he was elsewhere, you know, South Carolina. He mm-hmm. used to call me every week before the Florida-Georgia game, which is <laughs> the best, you know, rooting for us every year except uh, – every game except one. You know, always stay in touch with people around the program. I always came back when he's coming through town, would make a point to call and say, let's, you know, let's grab a beer or something. But the way the fan base has always treated him, respected him, loved him, for him to be back here, it's it's just been an unbelievable special event for the Gator Nation. And today, that's what it's all about. I think it says a lot about Jim McElwain that um, he he welcomes him in with open arms because you know there may be one ball play somewhere. Or it's Coach Perry could call or not call, but talk to him about may help us win a ball game. Well, Coach McElwain wants to win. He has no ego. You know he loves having Steve around. You know all that stuff is good for the program, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, for me to see his name on that stadium, to have him in the hallways around here again, to, you know, shoot the breeze with him again, you know, it's it's a really a feel-good time for the entire program and on a personal level, me as well. Because, you know, Coach Burr and I have been, you know, been friends since he came here in 1978. You know, there's always that urban legend out there that he and I ha- had a rift, and we never had a rift. We go to the Bahamas together every year. <laughs> have done that for many, many years. And, um you know, he's as good a Gator as there is. You know, he is, you know, he epitomizes what the Gator Nation is all about. And just that's a big win, big as any win we've ever had, in my opinion. We've talked about a lot of the successes. I'm curious, when you look back over your tenure, what have been the biggest challenges that you faced? Oh, I think, you know, obviously when you're replacing, you know, highly successful coaches, that's a big challenge, you know. And um, well-documented, you know, we replaced a couple of national championship coaches in football. It didn't work out as we envisioned. You know, when you sit in the chair, that's going to happen. You know, the thing I hate most about that stuff is obviously it causes divisiveness among a fan base. That's never mm-hmm. healthy. Obviously, when you have to make tough calls, you're uprooting families and everything. So I hate that too. But um, those are challenges. You know, Ronda leaves. you got to pl- place a national championship coach, you know. Um, obviously, we worked really, really hard to get baseball, you know, in the mix. I never understood why baseball couldn't emulate what they're doing in Tallahassee and Miami and, you know, mm-hmm. made some hires that didn't work. Again, those, that's all on me as well. You know, finally think we have it right. Um, certainly, um, I think Sully's a great one, I, you know, but look what he's done in his mm-hmm. tenure here. And so um, those are the challenges. I mean, because any time you make a coaching hire, Adam, that doesn't work out, it ends up being very, very, you know, difficult for the entire program, for the university, and for the individual program. Athletes who get recruited by that coach, you know, now they're playing for a new coach. Sure. You know, you got, like I said, you got coaches who come in here with hopes and dreams, and you're taking those hopes and dreams away. 
And if you're not successful, you got a fan base that's um, divided. So those are the things that are most difficult, but also part of the chair. You know, on the flip side of that, when you hire coaches like Billy Donovan or Ronda and you bring them in here and you have a chance to watch what they do and see them build the success, that's the juice in the business. You know, mm-hmm. Walton and Sully and Roland Thornquist. And, you know, again, you go right down the list. So um, that's the fun part of it. So, you know, it's always not going to be perfect. But the personnel decisions are always the, the toughest things to manage for me. Um, because I know how important they are to the institution and the program. What have been the biggest changes to the college athletics landscape in your tenure, and what adjustments have you made to stay on track with those? Well, obviously, I think the, you know the internet age uh, has changed the the way we do business. Not, I'm not railing against it, but it's you know you're dealing with rumors a lot of time. You're reactive a lot of time instead of being proactive. When you're trying to hire a coach, it's a it's a circus, as you know, especially mm-hmm. a high profile coach with the misinformation that's out there. And people are taking pictures through windows yeah, in through Colorado windows <laughs> and following you on the airplane, whatever have you. I mean, that's that's just all that's all different, you know. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I always said if you could just, you know, put a bunch of candidates on a spaceship and go out, go to outer space and try to do it all and come back and land and introduce your new coach, it would make life easier. But you got to manage that, you know, and um, um, so that's the biggest change. I, I mean, I do think that, you know, the Internet and, and fan websites and, you know, talk radio and everything, I think it turns up the heat. There's so much more time for the, you know, it's so much easier for people to weigh in. So when things start going south, the negativity can, you know, is so much louder than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the flip side of that is when you're doing well, the, you know, the, the positive vibe. So I'm not complaining about that. You just have to manage that, you know. Um, obviously, the sport of football, which was so important around here, certainly when I took over in 92, but I think nationally, you know, with, you know, ESPN and television contracts mm-hmm. and, you know, signing day coverage and CFP and money and, you know, games on all the time. That's just totally different, you know. I mean, obviously, I think there's a national obsession with football, and I don't say that in a critical way, but I think the way Europe looks at soccer mm-hmm. is the way America looks at football, NFL, college football. That's totally different. I mean, football has always been important. I'm just saying the level of coverage and the level of, of discussion on football is totally different than it was when I took over. So you have to manage that. You have to you have to make sure that um, you understand that, you know, your program, especially at Florida, is going to get a huge amount of coverage. Mm-hmm. It's going to get, you know, you understand that uh, there's good and bad with that. When things aren't going well, there's going to be a huge amount of criticism. you got to deal with that, you know. And likewise, when it's going well, there'll be a huge amount of praise. you got to deal with that too because praise can lead to complacency. Mm-hmm. Praise can lead to mistakes because you're not paying attention because everything's going so good. You know, that is so that's just part of it. But um, I'm not saying that's negative or bad. It's, you asked what's the difference since 1992. And that's 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 been a big difference. You know, the challenges to win are the same. The challenges to graduate student athletes the same to recruit the good people to follow the rules to represent the institution. I would just say the the overwhelming ability to cover programs, football, basketball, indeed, all of our programs here, you know, you're involved in, it, you mm-hmm. know, um, that's just different than it was in 92. I know you've been asked this question a ton now over the last couple months, but what is next for you? What do you envision doing in retirement or in, in the emeritus AD role that, that you'll move into? Well, as the, on the short term, the emeritus AD is what I'm going to try to I'm gonna not try is what I'm going to do here. I love being part of this program. I I certainly think I can help the, my successor with transition. I have no I, I have no desire to be the AD behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But um, obviously, I've been doing it for 25 years. I know where you know. I know where all the keys, all the doors, the keys work work on. So I'll do that. I think there's some pro- facility projects that uh, I can help assist with, especially raising some money. We get get some things done. Mm-hmm. We get some things done in football. Well, you know, baseball, softball. Some stadium projects have to be done. I think I can help do that. I also think, Adam, and again, I don't know whether that's uh, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, there's another chapter for me. I don't mean another chapter as an athletic director, but um, there's something that's going to come my way that um, really intrigues me, and I don't know what that is. I may be wrong. I don't, I don't say, I'm just saying, is that teaching somewhere? I'm a, I'm a passionate animal lover. Is that involved with an animal organization somehow? I, um, you know. Uh, I love talking about leadership. Is there some role doing that? I don't know. I just think that's going to come my way. I believe just like Florida came my way, you know. Mm-hmm. I, when I came down here for my internship, I'm from New Hampshire. I, I expected to go right back to New England and work for the Boston Red Sox, all right. And, you know, 40 years later, this was this was what the plan was for me, and I think there's another chapter out there for me. So short term, I want to I want to help keep moving this program forward in the right way, helping my successor, you know, push the continue to push things forward, get some facilities done, help this university any way I can, and then like I said, we'll see what comes my way. Leisure wise, is it more Red Sox games? Is it? Springsteen concerts. What, what are you going to do with the, the free time you have that you just didn't have before? Well, unfortunately, Springsteen's tour is about ready to come to an end. And I was just looking today about trying to get – he's got one show left in Boston, and I can't make it. Ah. So, But I did see the show twice. and um, He's on tour constantly. You'll have yeah, another chance. I'll have that. another chance. It's but, not the farewell um, tour just You know, yet. I want to do some travel. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to um, – I know everybody says that, but, you know uh, – Life is short, and so there is a – I want to get overseas. Um, but also, I was flying back home the other day, looking out the window, and I said, there's a lot of parts of this country I've never seen either. And there's a lot of beautiful places to go to. I've never spent any time out west. I never spent any time in the Rockies, you know. And I have a home in Vermont, Adam, that I'm going to spend more time up there. And um, I, it'll be interesting for me because, you know, I've been on an adrenaline rush for 40 years, and I've been on a roller coaster and, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a good way. I like roller coaster rides, you know, and it, it's been fun. And so, obviously, that adrenaline rush is going to – I'm going to have to figure that out because it will be different for me. But um, I think, in, like I said, the leisure part of that is there will be a few more Red Sox games, I think, only if they make the World Series. <laughs> um, but um, some music. Uh, I'm, I'm a big live concert fan, and there's a, some I've missed because of work. I just told you I, I can't make mm-hmm. the one because I got, I got work obligations. So, um, but I'm going to travel too. Final thing for you. When your successor walks through the door and sits down at that desk, what is your advice to them on day one? What do you give them to help lead them forward? I would just simply, I said this at my press conference, I would simply tell, um, I would tell him that unbelievable group of people here, okay? Not a group of perfect people, but I'm talking about passionate, care, talented, aggressive, innovative you know, the coaching staff collectively is as good as I've ever been around in terms of their talent and, you know, where they're headed and what they've achieved. And, you know, to take advantage of that, you know. And the other thing I would tell them, it's an unbelievable culture here because of the way people get along, okay? Obviously, we don't agree on everything every single day. But, you know, you've been around this place. You know, generally people, they like each other. They have fun together. They work hard together. We win together. We lose together. We have fun together. We laugh together. We, you know... To take advantage of that because that culture is different too. You know, when I stepped down in June, I had a number of coaches come by and said, "Jeremy, we just you got to make sure that the the culture stays intact, right?" And that's not Jeremy 
Bowley's culture. That is a group of people who really care about the University of Florida, care about each other, talented, represent the right way, respect the brand, you know. And so I would tell him or her that um, that's what they need to take advantage of, right? And if the culture needs shifting, to shift it slowly. You know, you don't want to come in here and all of a sudden turn the boat around immediately, right? I just don't think that would be wise, right? But I would make sure they know that there's a special group of people here and coming to work with them every single day. And I've told my staff this, I don't know, for how many years I've had a chance to talk to them. It's the thing I'll miss the most. You know, I still can go to Gator games. You know, I get some tickets, you know. You you got a few connections you still call. I can get some tickets, (laughs) but coming to work every day with this group of people and being around this group of coaches every day is the thing I absolutely will miss the most. I would tell that individual, make sure they embrace that. Well, we know how much you have to do here on your plate before you finish. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Adam, thank you. I enjoyed it, and I certainly appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today.